You are listening to John Kherika on SAFM. 20 minutes past 7 o'clock. Let's talk about KwaZulu-Natal for a while. You heard uh, uh, a little earlier Selga talking about those those assassinations. How many is it? Let's just run through those numbers again. Um, 18 people were assassinated out of 40 councillors who died. 17 died of natural causes, 3 died of car accidents, and 2 were suicide. But 18 councillors were assassinated. And they've listed the names and where they're from and when they died uh, in that report. Let's find out about KwaZulu-Natal. It has a history. There's a big history in KwaZulu-Natal. Professor Musa Tulu is Executive Director of the Heritage Development Trust Political Heritage Analyst as well. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Where do we start with KwaZulu-Natal and the history that has led us today? Well, um Kwanzaa Natal, you know, uh, maybe you can go back as far as uh, King Shaga uh, mm. forming um, the Zulu Kingdom uh, through a lot of fighting and conquest of many small kingdoms that were there or tribes that were, were there and then uniting them to form what then became the Zulu Kingdom. And then you can move on to the situation of King Tingane. Uh, also fight, well, well, maybe the situation of, of the members of the Zulu royal family mm. killing Shaga himself, because he was killed in, the, um, uh, in, in a very brutal way. And then King Tingani fighting with the Boers in the uh, in, um, Black River in 1816, in, in 1838. And then you find uh, uh, King, King Petrayo fighting with the English in 1879, and then you find King uh, Zulu having Zulu civil wars with members of the royal family, uh, fighting among each other, and then um, and then later, after being arrested, he comes back and, and he starts working with educated ones, uh, like John Dube and, and, and all those who had grown up in the mission stations. I think after he came back from St. Helena, he wanted to change it from uh, violence to an educated Zulu nation. Then, of course, that led to the formation of the ANC in 1912, and he became an honorary life president. There has been a lot of violence um, in the province. Outside of that, there were lots of in the Singer areas, lots of um, inter-regional uh, fights between various uh, clans, fighting and killing each other. And then came a new period um, in the 1980s, of political violence mm. between mainly the IFP um, uh, and, and UDF or NC, um, which, which, which took uh, lives of more than 20,000 people. So you understand when Salka becomes concerned. And then, of course, even after there was peace between the ANC and the IFP after 1994, and after many efforts of trying to achieve that, there has been sporadic incidents between um, um, you know, the political parties, but later it became an inter-party thing, mm-hmm. where within the same political party, people just take each right. other. Okay. Uh, I want to just go back to the 80s, because that has sort of led into post-94. Uh, in Carter ANC, there was, I think we know quite clearly now, there was a third force involved in that, creating tension. 
Yes, there was a, a third force, and that was uh, uh, proven to be there. And I think somebody whose name is just missing me um, eventually went to live in England, who was uh, distributing arms here in mm. the province. Uh, and so uh, it was a very terrible kind of situation because the violence was uh, like not not like people stealing, you know, each other. Yeah. But it was open and, and uh, in the streets and, and everywhere in rural areas. So 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 there was a dead force, yes. And President Nelson pointed out that you know, on their own, the IFE and the ANC could not be fighting at that scale. Yeah. So what is the current state? Uh, it, the, there were news reports that during uh, during voter registration, the parties are getting along with each other. They're actually helping each other. They were singing and, and celebrating together. Is 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 that just the, the surface, but there's tensions underneath? Well, there could be uh, still tensions, but I must say that over the past, maybe starting with the, the premiership of Moses on Debele, there was a lot of reaching out between the IFP and the ANC, uh, trying to say there must be reconciliation and then which must be followed by peace so that we can achieve development. And uh, of course, you know that when people fight, development is simply becomes impossible. Mm. So there was a thinking and, and, and in that cabinet, uh, which was IFP, um, I think three or four members and ANC, six or seven, they tried as much as possible to work together and to go to the places that were called no-go areas, uh, mainly on the issues of service delivery and in visa where they consulted with uh, um, uh, no members of society to find out the areas of delivery that were needed. It worked out very well. The situation now may be complicated maybe with the uh, founding of MK party, yes. uh, which uh, I think I I can say it won't be able to attract people from the IFP uh, because of the history, but it will also not be able to to attract people from the core of the ANC, but people on the fringes. You know, this thing of political parties emerging just before elections. Uh, John, is is now a, a global thing. You know, I was going through a study that was done that they always emerge to promise to solve all the pro- problems of society just before elections, and then they go to elections, and then they disappear after mm-hmm. that. And they have a following of people who are, you know, in the past, ideology was a very big thing. Um, these days, it's not like more of ideology. People just buy into into promises, and then if it, nothing is, uh, happens after the election, they then go to another person emerges. Um, promising also the same thing, so it's a, it's, a, it's a, I think it's a, it's a global trend, which is, is why you'll find that in some countries in Europe, uh, there's always elections every two years, or no, uh, because somebody has just formed a political party and others have broken away and and all of those things. The- it's- this this is not not just a small little well it could be a small party but the important thing is it's being endorsed by a former president former president of the political party of the ANC as well Jacob Zuma what do you make about this and how will this affect KwaZulu KZN politics it could go uh, no yes yeah, no 
Fortunately, President Jacob Zuma is no longer as 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 popular as he was in the past. Maybe leading to Polo Kwane in 2007 or uh, the years after that, because um, the situation was what it was in the ANC, and he had access to uh, state resources and so and people have a tendency to to like to dance with people who have access to 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 state resources. So it may not be a big political party, as you rightly say, but the fact that he is there um, uh, could may mean that some people, especially those who don't look at the issues very deeply, would support him. The the end, I, I heard them now, they're beginning to sing the songs of pre-1990 uh, about killing white people and, and, and all of those uh, songs that were sung. They may not be meaning it, but uh, already it may result in some kind of tension. The IFC has dismissed them and the DA has dismissed them, but uh, they have to be watched uh, very carefully. Just quickly, there's, there's tensions in the Zulu royal family as well. Will that have implications in, in, in the way KwaZulu-Natal uh, handles the elections? No, the Zulu royal family does not have a lot of influence, especially in times of political high activity. Um, people usually go back to the Zulu royal family when there, there is political lull and, and, and no excitement. So they have not had an influence mm. on the outcomes of elections uh, at all. Even maybe you could say in 1994, King Kidu Kutu had a hand in uh, boosting the IFP, but uh, after that, they, everyone was on their own politically. So I don't think that it will spill to that unless some political parties want to use the Zulu royal family uh, with the hope of gaining mm. some uh, some 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 votes. That will not go down well. <laughs> All right. And what do you predict is going to happen? We we're seeing these assassinations. Are things going to get better or are things going to get worse in KwaZulu-Natal? Well, it's good that Sanka spoke about it open. And we need more leaders talking mm. about it. Uh, and Tamintuli, I think, uh, is doing well there because you could see when he presented that this was a well-researched kind of presentation. It was not a political speech. It was a speech that you, you ex- kind of speech that you expect leaders um, uh, at this point in time to 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 from time to time present. It may, but the problem is you no know, the po- the positions either in parliament or local government or uh, provincial legislature, are always so limited. And people are looking, sometimes looking at these things as a kind of <laughs> employment. So um, that's why intra-party violence uh, assassinations start mm-hmm. happening because the person, if the person, if I'm number three um, on the waiting list and assassinate number two, I may then be nearer to going to provincial legislature or become a councillor and so on. So it's, it's got more also to do with some hidden economic uh, um, implications and challenges. Professor Musa Kulu, thank you very much. Executive Director of the Heritage Development Trust and a Political Heritage Analyst.